0: Welcome to the show. I'm Greg McEwan, and I'm your host for the What's Essential podcast. There are lots of shows on how to improve, on how to become successful, but there is only one on what to do once you are. This is essential because success can be a catalyst for failure, especially if it leads to the undisciplined pursuit of more. And this show is about how to become successful at success. It's for high performers who are on the edge of exhaustion, is for people who struggle with the curse of capability. It's important because what got you here is not what's going to get you there. So if you're a driven, hardworking, productive person who is running out of space but still wants to make a higher contribution, the What's Essential podcast is designed especially for you. I'm delighted to have my friend and best-selling author, Michael Hyatt, here with us today. He's the author of many books, including a new book that I think you'll find highly relevant called How to Win at Work and Succeed at Life. Listen to this episode if you want to, well, win at work and succeed at life. And you're going to find this to be an enjoyable conversation with some very practical tips for how to do the above. So let's get to it. Okay, I'm going to give you some backstory here. I just had a conversation with a friend of mine in which I posed a challenge to him, of a real challenge of someone I have just spoken to at a live event. And his response to this situation just like, actually sort of shocked me. So I'm not going to share what he said or anything, but I'm going to give you the same challenge because here we are, In the midst of the pandemic still, there is an unequal effect of the pandemic on people, depending on their life situation. I think most people, the data I've read recently is 85% of people feel they've had a reduction in well-being um, since the pandemic began. Of course, that could be a variety of different forms of well-being. Some people, of course, there's 15% there that are like, no, it's been the same or could have even gone up for them. I mean, it's not equal. But for some people, it's hit really hard indeed, depending on how isolated they've been or the challenges they're faced with. And I just did a live event with several hundred people. And I'd asked the question, well, what's something that's essential that you're under investing in? And I was reading the responses from people. And one of them said, well, look, I just have no time for myself. And that was curious for me. And so... I had to come on the screen and we sort of had a little coaching session together. And her context was this, that she runs a business. She's at home. She's isolated now. She has six children. And she said, I literally don't have even five minutes to myself. Like there's literally not five minutes when it's just me on my own with my thoughts. In this most recent book that you've written, Uh, win at work and succeed at life, the value proposition is that you can do both, that you can succeed in both scenarios. I mean, it's right there in the title. How would you guide somebody like this that I'm talking to who feels they want to succeed in both scenarios,
1: but it's really, really tough right now? It is. Could I start with the story? Love it. Okay, so... About 20 years ago, I was given responsibility for one division of Thomas Nelson Publishers. At the time, it had 14 divisions. And the division I was given responsibility for as the general manager was dead last in every significant metric, financial metric. It was not only not growing, it was shrinking. It was not only not making money, it was losing money. And the employee morale was terrible. So the CEO said, how long do you think it's going to take you to turn this Division around, and he was kind of an impatient man. But I thought for a while I wanted to give myself some runway, so I said three years. And he said, "Good." He said, "That's about what I was thinking." So you've got it. So I went back, shared a vision with the team, rolled up my sleeves. We got to work. We were working seventy to eighty hours a week. I was often working, you know, nights and weekends and through vacations. But we did it. So in eighteen months, we took that division, turned it around, went from number fourteen to number one in terms of fastest growing, in terms of most profitable. Best employee morale. I got, Greg, the biggest bonus check I'd ever received in my life, more than my annual salary. I was so pumped that I I said, Gail is going to be thrilled when she sees this. I can't wait to get home and and share it with her. So I I bounced into the den Hmm. and I showed her the check. I just knew that she was going to be thrilled. And she was just a little bit less than her usual enthusiastic self because she's always been super supportive, my biggest cheerleader but I could just tell there was a hitch in her giddy up and she said, babe, we need to talk. <laughs> and I thought, Oh, my heart sank. So we sat down and she said, look, I got to be honest with you. She said, you know, I love you. I appreciate all that you do for this family, but I got to be honest. She said, you're never at home and your five daughters need you. Well, that was like a gut kick. I knew she was Right. And I felt a little defensive, but I just kept listening. And she said, and even when you are home, you're not really here. You know, your head's in your device, you're somewhere else. And then she started to cry a little bit. And she said, honestly, I feel like a single mom. Well, that was a total total gut kick. I thought I had reached the pinnacle of success, but it was a false summit. And I felt like at that moment, much like the lady you described, that I was facing the impossible choice. You know, you can can win at work or you can succeed at life, but you can't do both. And, And I think for most people and what our culture kind of says increasingly, especially with a lot of celebrity entrepreneurs promoting this idea, that you need to hustle harder. You know, you need to work harder, buckle down, get to the place where you can finally you know, relax a little bit and have time for yourself and have time for the people that you love.
0: I love everything you're sharing. I, I love the dilemma that you're presenting that you personally experienced. Um, I, I love that both, you know, that you've, you've been in perhaps a, a not dissimilar position. You're trying to do both of these important areas of life. And so, you know, the, the quest makes sense to me and, you know, sort of on behalf of, of this woman with six kids and for myself and for, for all of the listeners, well, what did you find? I mean, what's the answer yeah. to the, you know, to this
1: uh, $64 million question? <laughs> well, there's a lot of answers to it. We give five principles in the book. One of them is to realize that that life is multidimensional. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to the constraint thing here in a minute, which I think will address your friend's concern. Directly, but I think all of us have to realize that if we're going to have sustained success in life, you know, this is a marathon, not a sprint, that it's got to address each of the dimensions of our life because life is multidimensional and it's interrelated. So much so that if you have a health crisis, that backs up into your career and can affect your career. On the other hand, if you have stress at work, that's going to have an impact on your marriage and an impact on your parenting. And so there's no clear delineation between each of these different dimensions of life that kind of bleed into one, one, another. So that if we're not, you know, moving forward with the view to all of them, trying to define success in all these different areas and pursue success in all these areas, then we risk not succeeding in anything. Yeah. So
0: what you're saying is that, that, that as you think about achievement Don't think about it in terms of just one piece of the puzzle of your life. That's right. Because if you do it piecemeal, you could optimize for that. You could even be awarded for that. You could be rewarded and called out as successful in exactly the way you described the publisher. But you could be totally failing in the totality of your life. Exactly. Exactly. So you're
1: saying the only definition of success has to be holistic. That's right. So, so that kind of brings us to the power of constraints. So let me just go back to my story for a minute. The first thing I did, when I knew I was in trouble with Gail. And we've been married now for 42 years. And, you know, have a great- So you made it. <laughs> so we made it. So, you know, great marriage. But it was a little bit rocky right then because I realized, I sort of woke up to the fact that if I didn't change the trajectory of my life and my work, I might very well end up without a marriage or without my kids speaking to me. So I hired an executive coach. It was, uh, at the time it was Daniel Harkavy with whom I wrote the book leading, uh, living forward. It's all about life planning. But, um, but he said to me, he said, look, he said, your freedom is in your constraints. And he said, I perceive you As somebody who has no constraints, because what's happening to you is in the afternoon when you get busy and you look down at your to-do list and you realize you're not going to finish, you say to yourself, and he said, tell me if I'm right or wrong. You say to yourself, no problem. I'll go home, have a quick dinner with the family, pop open my laptop and keep working. And I said, that's exactly me. And he said, when you get to the end of the week on Friday, you, you don't finish all the things you wanted to finish. And so you say, no problem. I'll work on Saturday morning or I'll work on Sunday evening. He said, My guess is you probably drag work into your vacation so that your vacations aren't even really vacations. And I said, You nailed it. I mean, that's that's exactly. He said, Okay, so here's where we're gonna start. He said, What time of day are you willing to quit? And I mean shut the laptop, no more work until next morning. So I thought about it. This was a stretch. I'll tell you what I'm doing now, but but back then I said 6 p.m. He said, okay, great. What about the weekends? Mm -hmm. I said, I'm willing to not work on the weekends and vacations also. So he said, okay, great. He said, do you mind some accountability? And I said, no, I'm, I'm all about the accountability thinking he's going to say, I'm going to check in with you from time to time to see how it's going. No, that's not what he said. He said, yeah. Okay, great. He said, I want you to give me permission to call Gail periodically and check within with, with her, how you're doing. Cause he said, that'll be the true test. Not what you tell me, mm-hmm. but what she tells me. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden it got real
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I thought, okay, I'm willing, to do it. <laughs> I'm willing to do it. So that was, that was huge for me because now all of a sudden I had those evenings with, I couldn't work. I had to focus on my family. I had to focus on my health. My life started to get more back into balance and, and it's these constraints. It's like, you know, you think, well, but I'm going to, I'm not going to be as productive no, actually, all the research shows you will be more productive, more focused, and more, uh, more creative if you have constraints around your work and you allow time for rejuvenation, for relationships, for the other things in life that really matter. And so that was kind of the genesis of the project. And I would say, I say to people today and say to this lady that we're talking about, you know, you've, you've got to put some constraints around work that forces you to prioritize and choose. Now, as the author of essentialism, you'll appreciate this. So um, every day I wake up and I only have three things that I need to do. So which are the three items that are going to create the most leverage, that are going to advance me toward my goals, that are going to really kind of boil it down to the essential things that I need to do today? So when I wake up in the morning, I identify those big three, those big three, When I get finished with those at the end of the day, I declare it victory. I don't wake up feeling overwhelmed. I don't go to bed feeling defeated because I've got a manageable to-do list. And it keeps me out of the busy work and the fake work that doesn't really advance anything. It just keeps me busy. This episode
0: is sponsored by Shopify. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you... Cha-ching. sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash greg all lowercase go to shopify.com slash greg now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash greg so i'm familiar with your big three and in fact have used the focus Planet. in fact awesome bought bought a copy for everyone in my family so even my four teenagers had a focus planner as well. And so we've used it over the last 90 days. Um, and uh, first of all, I have really enjoyed having it. Thank uh, you. I, 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 of course, believe in the prioritization model. You, that's not a surprise. But I find myself still struggling to figure out some days, and I would say today is one of them, which of these competing, interesting, uh, opportunities are actually the big three, you know, how would you guide uh, me and my own struggles in, in living this?
1: Well, for me, it all starts with uh, vision, you know, creating a vision for my life and for my business. I've written two books on that living forward about a life plan, and then the vision driven leader about creating a vision for your organization. And so I think everything becomes clearer when we know what the destination is. If you don't have a clear vision for your life, and I'm not saying you, I'm just saying people in general, if you don't have a clear vision, and I'm talking about something written, a clear written vision, then all of a sudden it's easy to get sidetracked and distracted by a million different things because you don't know what really leads to the accomplishment of that that vision. Once you get clear on that, you can distill that vision, which by the way the vision from my perspective is is anywhere from a 3 to 10 year plan, and then to distill that mm-hmm. down to one year goals, you know what are the goals that I have for this year? Then all of a sudden, when I'm looking at those, I'm reviewing those every day in my full focus planner, and I'm saying to myself, what are the one or two things that I could do today that would move me in the direction of achieving one of those goals? Because I've already prioritized that these goals, these three goals for this quarter are the single most important thing I can do this quarter. What is your current five to 10-year vision? Well, we we actually have a complete written, we call it a vision script, and it's in the in the vision driven leader. Uh, but it's, it's ends up being about a three to four page document. And I encourage people to divide it into four parts. First of all, what's their, you know, three to 10 year vision. And like, we recommend for most clients three years beyond that, it gets a little bit fuzzy because of the rate of change, but a three year vision for you. First of all, your team, because the team is the foundation that drives everything else. Take care of your team. They'll take care of your customers. Your customers will take care of you. So the team comes first. Number two, what's my vision for the products or services that our company produces? So we get very explicit about the things, the deliverables that we want to have in three years there. And then also sales and marketing, you know, in terms of how we do that, how we do client acquisition, what's our vision for that three years hence. And then finally, the outcomes are the results. You know, what are the financial results that we want to achieve within the next three years? You know, what are any other metrics that, that would be relevant to your business it could be different for every business.
0: Do you have a vision statement for your life? A vision document
1: for, for, for you? That would be my life plan. You know, so in the in the life plan, I do a couple of things. So I take each one of those major areas of life. So some people call it uh, you know, talk about the wheel of life. We talk about 10 dimensions, but I would have a vision for for each one of those. So for example, here's my vision. Paragraph for my health. Is
0: this number one of your of your ten? Is this your highest priority area?
1: No, actually, God would be my highest. Can you share that with us? Would you be willing to share that with us? Yep. So here's what I say: Um, My love for God grows daily. It transcends all earthly affections and desires. He is my consuming passion. I'm aware of His presence and enjoy just being with Him. He speaks to me frequently, and I've learned to recognize His voice. I joyfully obey him in all things. As a result, I'm not merely his servant. I am privileged to be his friend. Yeah, that's beautiful.
0: And and, and how often do you read that statement, for example?
1: About once a week.
0: So literally in the last 12 months, 50 times? Yeah. In what way does reviewing that Take take me through that process. You you read that once a week on a Wednesday? Is that a Sunday activity? Is that you have a set time for doing it?
1: Yeah, I do it on Sunday evening as part of my weekly preview, which is also in the Full Focus Planner. But yeah, I'll just I'll review that. And the reason I do that, Greg, is to reorient me myself on the destination. Because look, we live in a world that is absolutely, utterly full of distractions. I've got to refocus on the destination. Where is this all going? You know, and what that does is that when that's present to me and, you know, I've got, you know, I've got my second priority for myself and my health and then for my marriage and for my kids and all this stuff. But what it it does is it helps me to make decisions in, in, in the warp and woof of life when things can be very unsettled, when there's a lot of ambiguity, when there's a lot of competing demands, you know, I can say, wait a second. But what do I want? What is what is the vision of what it is I'm trying to create?
0: OK, you've got your vision. your Statements, really your description of your, you know, what, what, what you want to be in these different areas, you're doing your review, you're setting your big three for the week. Do you struggle to get it to three? Do you, or is it very simple for you to get to the Do you find yourself? I mean, you're a highly intentional person. You're driven. I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but, but you know, like you, my, my brother Justin calls it the hit squad, hardworking, intelligent, talented. The, the, the hit squad has a set of challenges that are not typical of the whole, mm. you know, the, the, of, of everybody else. And you, you, you're in this category. You might be this on fire, right? You're constantly, highly intense, highly, you know, driven to achieve things and, and so on. I mean, I, I find it a little hard to imagine that you are easily satisfied, uh, even though I'm not. I mean, it's no criticism in that. Uh, but I, I'm just sort of painting this picture of of you, and then I'm imagining you actually sitting there doing this each week, and I'm just wondering whether I'm alone and struggling to get to three. I mean, I should, I, it feels bad saying this, right? You know, you right. Essentialism, it should, you should be great at this, I guess. But to me, there's always so many things I want to contribute in. I want to achieve across these
1: different areas. So how do you do with this? So I'm 65. And one of the things that I've realized is that life is a marathon, that I've, I've got a gazillion things that I want to accomplish. But they don't have to all be accomplished this quarter. They don't have to be accomplished this year. And I think it's easy if we're not careful to get kind of in a scarcity mindset, even with our time and think, oh, my God, if I, if I don't do everything now, I'm going to miss the opportunity. And I think for all of us that are committed to long term, comprehensive success, we got to pace ourselves, you know, and the issue is not what's important, but what's important now. Right, David Allen said, and I love this quote. He said, "You can do anything you want; you just can't do everything you want."
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. So, okay, so you have your three things for this week written down. Yes, I'm like holding your feet to the fire right now, but I,
1: I, I want to know what your three things are for the week. Okay, so my big three for the week. So the first item was to do the six podcast interviews for Win at Work and Succeed at Life, which is on my calendar for this week because we're kind of in this pre-promotion recording phase. Uh, the other one was attend a marketing meeting for our business accelerator coaching program. And the third one was to get out a press release for um, a graduate school where I'm on the board and I'm in charge of getting this press release out that's really important. All of those were business? They, they are. And sometimes they're not, sometimes they are. I would say I would say the one regarding the school is more of an avocation, not a vocational thing.
0: Yes, yes. That, that makes sense, the distinction that, that, that you make in, your, in the 10 areas, this holistic approach. What do you do with the other important relationships and areas? I mean, of course, it doesn't mean that you're doing zero, but you just say, I'm not setting a task to go on a date My wife. I'm not going to set a task to reach out to my children. You're building systems so there's good habits in place for those things. But, but how do you distinguish between these are the three that you selected for this week? How did you come to those?
1: Well, again, I reviewed my goals. You know, and one of my goals was in the launching of this new book to try to get it on the bestseller list, and so that one tied specifically into that. Uh, The other ones were just important projects you know, our coaching program is very important to our company. And the one with, with regard to the graduate school, it's actually a seminary. Um, that's very important, you know, as well for my life. I don't have a specific goal this year. And there's a lot of things in my life where I've had in the past habit goals, like you mentioned, you know, date with with my wife. So that's such a part of my weekly routine now that I don't even think about it. And in fact, I've created a system, so I've delegated that to my assistant. I said, your job is to make sure that we are scheduled every Thursday night for date night. So you figured out, you know, where we're going to go eat. If we're going to go out to eat. What else? What are the additional act- activities we're going to do? So I've outsourced that to make sure that, that that happens every single time. And so there's a lot of things. You know, my, you know, what I do in the morning, my morning ritual. And, you know, the full focus planner has all this in there as well. But my morning ritual makes sure that I accomplish some of those really important priorities without having to have them part of my daily big three or my weekly big three. So I'm, you know, reading the Bible every morning. I'm praying. I'm journaling. I'm working out, you know, taking care of, you know, body, mind and spirit reading, you know, that early time, too. So those are more ritualized. If I could use that word, they've been more converted to habits. So they don't have to be part of the big three.
0: Yes that's, that's that's an important distinction things i'm going to do anyway don't make it on there but things that if i don't write them down here they're not going to happen as part of my typical daily and weekly routines and rituals
1: right what are your daily big 3
0: i cannot give you an answer to my daily big 3 for today i wish i did i wish i felt the calmness of the three weekly things you identified cuz Those three feel so achievable to me. I mean, I don't know all the specifics in them, but I sort of feel like my confidence level in the goals that you described are like, you know, that's upwards of 95%. Like you're going to do those things this week. It would be surprising to me if next week when you're reviewing the
1: week, you're like, wow, I just didn't get those things done. And then the final question. Yeah, and let me just say, not every day do I do a big three. There are days that I miss, days that I backslide so to speak. So if that happens to you or to anybody listening to this, don't beat yourself up. Just get back on the wagon. You know, just do it tomorrow. No big deal. You know, you got it. That's a great thing about life. Every day gives us a new opportunity to start over and do it again.
0: I want to just double click on that because I think most systems, most productivity systems, and I, I feel like I've used my, you know, like, you know, I've tried a few, let's say. I think most of them are described in such terms that you have to do this every day is the sort of the, the presumption and the building of it. And I think that's fine as long as there's, that is that big asterisk of like, yeah, but it isn't really going to be like that. Yeah. That's not really how life works. No. and And that doesn't make the tool not useful. It actually makes right. it, in my opinion, more useful to just be able to like, yeah, you, you, you've got to use it, not it using you. Life has its natural rhythms. And when we don't allow for those rhythms, I think that we burn ourselves out a lot faster uh, and, and then hold ourselves to a, a standard that's so high, we just feel you know, frustrated, perhaps.
1: Yeah, to misstate a famous ancient quote. You know, the planner was made for man, not man for the planner.
0: Yeah, that's it. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I I like that. I like where it comes from. Okay. And then, then, so the final question is? Anything blocking your progress. Is that, now that's specifically for the three things you've identified for the day? It,
1: It is, but it could also be anticipatory in the sense that maybe you're thinking about this next week and you think, oh, I just realized that I don't have the talking points yet for marketing for that video that they want me to shoot. So, Jim, that's kind of, I think that's going to block my progress if we don't address that now.
0: Yeah, I mean, all of this presumes, as you said explicitly, enough clarity of intent, vision, yes, weekly goals, daily, big three, because otherwise it's all so broad. What stands in my way? Well, hundreds of things. If I don't know what I'm really trying to achieve, then everything stands in my way, so to speak uh so so you know that that all makes sense to me okay so come full circle with me from the process that you've been describing and you don't have to be limited to this but come back to this woman i mean i mean i know it's an extreme example i know that not everybody listening here is 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 working uh, you know in a running a business and has six children at home and is in the pandemic and doing homeschool and all that like most people aren't in exactly that situation but in her story is something so real right now. Something that I think is, if not universally applicable, close to it, where people do feel strained more than before. That, whatever right. their level of exhaustion or stress before, it is likely to be one standard deviation more challenging mm-hmm. that they, and, and and as we, as we hit sort of a year of this experience, I think that too is relevant. No doubt. To what people are experiencing because for some people, they have been using up deep reserves in order to get through this. And so here they are, well, maybe they, you know, they've survived. They've kept everybody, you know, going in their home. Maybe they've kept everybody alive, hopefully through this, Obviously, some people haven't been so fortunate, but they've, they've made it through, but they've done it at a price that's largely invisible right now. But at a year mark, it starts to become more obvious and the, the cracks start showing. So to that person,
1: maybe it's what you've just described, but like, what do they do? Well, here's what the natural inclination is in those situations. It's just to roll up your sleeves and work harder. And I'm telling you, that is not the answer. You got to go in the other direction. You need to work less, not more. And But it's got to be focused on the big things that actually make a difference because not all work is created equal. There are some things that actually move the needle, advance you in the direction of your goals, help you achieve your most important priorities. There are other things that we just persist in doing just because maybe we've always done them that way. Maybe because you know we don't have the guts to say no to somebody else. You know, saying no is—I know you have read about this in essentialism. You know, is is critically important to be able to say no, and to really reduce life to what are those what are those essential things that I must do. So, I, I'll give you an example of how this worked out in our company. Back after the pandemic began, we were probably two weeks into it. We started noticing that our young employees, and we've we've got about fifty, uh, were a little bit like like, super frazzled because they had no daycare, they had no childcare, the kids are underfoot, they're trying to, you know, do some semblance of homeschooling and work and all that stuff. And we said, okay, here's what we're going to do as an experiment. So I always like to set up these kind of things as an experiment. So I said, as an experiment, we're going to work a six hour workday, not an eight hour workday. Now we've been, we were very good up until that point of saying, we don't want you to work in the evenings, We don't want you to work on the weekends or on vacations. But now we're going to reduce your hours to 30 hours a week, but we're not going to reduce anybody's pay. Everybody's going to get paid exactly what they're getting paid before. But now we're going to a 30-hour work week as an experiment. Hmm. So after two weeks, got together with my executive team and said, okay, how's the productivity? Everybody said, we can't tell any difference. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Can't Can't tell a lick of difference. Okay. Let's extend the experiment. So then we went out a month. Then we said, let's go through the summer. Then we got to strategic planning and that was in September and the executive team got together and we said, okay, how is this experimented? Is this like a pandemic thing or is this going to be permanent? Well, first of all, all the executives loved it. All of our team loved it. You know, they're going like, oh my gosh, when I can quit work at three and have the rest of the afternoon and the evening, all kinds of things become possible. And so we said, okay, but that's great. You know, it's good for the employees. They love it. We love it. But what about productivity? We said, well, you know, we're on track to have our best year ever. And we're we're on track to beat our budget, which was already aggressive. So in 2020, we finished the year. We kept we made that that policy permanent, 30-hour work week. We made that policy permanent. We finished the year 15% ahead of our revenue from the prior year. We finished on the bottom line 101% ahead of the prior year, and we are already enormously enormously profitable. But I really credit it with that constraint. It got everybody just laser focused on what mattered and less distracted by what didn't matter.
0: I had, a, I had a conversation with the CEO of a company called Uncharted, who read Essentialism, got everyone to read it internally, and then they decided to start a four-day work week experiment. And it just just reminds me of what you're describing, that that constraint, it had an effect. There's a productivity, of course, is pretty much the first thing you want to establish. If you're going to try an experiment, you want to know, well, am I just just reduced overall contribution down by, you know, for you two hours a day, for them one day a week. But what was happening underneath is that suddenly you... that the constraint requires you to have a conversation you didn't have before. That's right. You didn't have it before because you solved the problem by working another hour. That's exactly right. You, you don't solve it before just like you did at the beginning by solving it working into the weekend. You just you don't have the conversation. You just keep doing more. But as soon as you have the constraint, you go, oh, well, if I only have this much time, I've got to use it for the essential things. I've got to use it for the things that matter most.
1: Well, I think that's true. And, you know, I would be uh, disingenuous to say that we do this five days a week, 52 weeks a year. You know, there are seasons too, when people have to go intentionally out of balance for a short period of time. And that's okay. You know, life's like that, you know, where it's all hands on deck, the ox is in the ditch, you got to you know, you've got to work more than you'd, you'd like. The problem is when we convince ourselves that that temporary thing is only temporary and it bleeds into the next crisis, which becomes a way of life.
0: Well, and that I think is 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 a good sort of wrap to this conversation because I think that this is the this is really the problem that most needs to be addressed. Life has rhythms, life has times of you're gonna push you push a little harder, there's a particular deadline there's a there's a responsibility there's something that comes up there could be a crisis you're dealing with there could be of course life has its times for this but what seems to have happened to a lot of people in that hit squad is that it's become the way it's the lifestyle always pushing and it's been celebrated as a as a no trade-off zone <laughs> that somehow if you just hustle 24/7 there's no cost to that and and what 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 total nonsense that is Every choice you're making is a trade-off within this broader ecosystem that you're describing. Maybe, could you give us a, your last word on your answer to the quest question you pursued? How do you, beyond what you've already shared, be successful to win at work and succeed at
1: life? Well, again, we talk about these five principles. I did cover two of them. Uh, just to quickly give you the other ones, the third one is work life balance is truly possible you know it 's it 's become very fashionable for people to attack work life balance as though it 's a myth right and and, it's, and it becomes an excuse for working all the time. but the problem is that the mm-hmm. metaphor they use is out of whack. you know balance does not mean that you give equal time and attention to every area of your life. What it means is you give the appropriate Amount of time and attention to every area of your life, right? So I don't, you know, I don't spend as much time as the gym as I do at work, but I spend the appropriate amount of time at mm-hmm. the gym. So that's the key differentiator. Four, um, there's incredible power in non-achievement. Now, this is hard for somebody like me, who is, you know, my number one strength on the strength finders is achiever. On the right. Enneagram, for anybody that's familiar with that. I'm a three. I'm an achiever. So to to see the value in non-achievement, you know, whether it's spend, you know, taking a walk with my wife or going fishing with my grandson, you know, there's incredible value in that. But we have to learn to value that. And I've really had to learn to value that. And then number five, rest is the foundation of meaningful, productive work. You know, the, the, the average adult needs eight to nine hours every night. And that sets you up for success, too, because when you're rested, you're showing up as the best version of yourself. You're the most focused, the most creative, the most attentive when you're rested. When you're not, not so much. So those are the five principles. Mr. Michael Hyatt, you are
0: a scholar and a gentleman. It's always so nice to chat with you and to to catch up on this latest uh, addition to the, the great Hyatt Library, uh, and now to have Megan officially on the team, both as CEO and as co-author on this uh, wonderful new book. Uh, it's been a pleasure to have you on today.
1: Thank you, Michael. Thank you so much, Greg. Great to chat with you.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, Essentialists, one and all, we've come to that moment again, the end of the show. Thank you really sincerely for listening. It's been amazing to see what's happened already with this show. The show has become, in fact, the top 3% of podcasts globally within just the first five months of its launch. And that's because of you. You have made this special. And I want to end, as I always do, reminding you that if you don't do anything else, just ask what's essential and eliminate as much as possible everything else.